Good afternoon. afternoon. Amen. Let's open up the Bible to uh, Numbers. In Numbers chapter uh, 11. And I've been really blessed and encouraged by the study of the uh, our, uh, our family members, the Israelites. They're an interesting group. The more we study them, the more we realize that uh, it's pretty easy to look down upon them as some very weak character people because they were given so many opportunities to follow God. And they just went around in circles for 40 years. And then after that, they still rebelled. It's been a very uplifting subject matter for me to study because I got to see inside of myself so much more than ever before as a Christian that I am thankful this morning that the Lord gives us this Bible to teach us because that's what it's for. Uh, you know, in Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen, it says, "All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, adequately equipped for every good work." Did we hear that? That's what the Word of God is. It seems to cover every area. It says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for for correction, for training in righteousness, righteousness. Because God is concerned about the man and the woman of God. That first of all, that they get saved. Do you guys hear me? That first of all, that they get saved. And then after salvation, to be built up and adequately equipped. Equipped for what? For every good work. God's work is a good work. I want you all to know. Anything that God is involved in is a good work. So how does he want his good work to be done by his believers, his family? He wants us to be adequately equipped so that we can do his work. And how do you do that? Reading the word of God, studying the word of God, meditating on the word of God, getting training in the word of God so we can be adequately equipped. So I pray tonight that as we read the scriptures, we can't read it for very long. It's just a few minutes. But that everybody gets their attention and they're focused on these words. They're not my words. I'm reading the scriptures today. And I pray that you don't hear me at all today except the voice. But that what comes out is the word of God and you hear it. And if you need to be taught anything or reproved of anything or corrected of anything or built up in any way, that it's done today. 
But when we go to chapter 11 of Numbers, I'm just going to read a couple of verses and then we'll pray. Uh, chapter 11, verse 4 says, The rabble with them, and I'm reading from the NIV version today, the rabble with them began to crave other food and again, The Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Let us pray. Dear Father. In heaven, their faithful Savior, we come to you just asking one thing, Lord, that you do your work. You know all the hearts that are in this room today, Lord, and I pray that whatever that heart needs, Lord, that you would fill it. You only can fill it, Lord. If there's any need there, Lord, fill it. And we pray that these scriptures will bless and encourage and uplift and reprove if necessary, Lord. And save as well, Lord, if there is anyone that's needing of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So isn't that a great section? And there's a lot more to that. And we're going to just cover, we're going to hit and move. We're going to jab and and move. And you're going to have to just stay with me. Because I need you to stay with me because we need to move. We need to cover a lot. And then we need to just pray that the Lord just does the work necessary in the heart. But I read something that a person commented about numbers. He said that at a crucial juncture, the people doubted God's promise and retreated in unbelief. The result, monotonous wandering in circles for almost 40 years as all those individuals, 20 years and, and older, died off, leaving a new generation to enter Canaan and the land of promise. And then he goes on to say, Numbers is a book about a tragic pilgrimage where a group of people who knew better did not live better. They knew better. Now, when I read that and I read it, I kind of got vexed a little bit because I'm thinking, okay, Numbers... These are the Israelites, and maybe some of us have seen some of the, the movies about the Israelites and Moses, and, and it's unbelievable seeing the hand of God, isn't it? How can they say, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt when they were slaves? What kind of slave masters are giving them fish? If I was a slave master in Egypt, I'm giving you bones. I'm not giving you fish. I'm eating the fish. You're eating the leftovers. So I'm just wondering, what do they remember? Is there a problem with memory here? I think there's a memory loss. I really do. Because you go back to Exodus and it says that in chapter 1, it says the Egyptians came To dread the Israelites. Okay. And I want to go home to them. They dreaded the Israelites. They hated them. They said that. They worked them ruthlessly. 
They made their lives bitter with hard labor in brick and mortar and all kinds of work in the fields. And they used them ruthlessly. And then chapter 2, verse 23 of Exodus says, During that long period, the, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help was because of their slavery. And it went up to God. God heard their groanings and remembered his covenant with Abraham. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. And the Lord goes on to say in chapter 3, verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And these people were saying, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Slavery is free, isn't it? They were slaves and they're saying there was no cost. What was the cost? Their freedom. And they're saying there's no cost. Let's go to a to Psalms 78. Just stay with me for a minute. Seventy-eight in Psalms. And uh, I want to touch on just a couple things today and just um, just three things, just uh, three topics, just to hit them. One is about memory, one was about attitude, and one is about destiny. Because I think that in order for us to really be encouraged by what the Lord has done for us is they have, we have to remember it. Don't we take memory for granted? I mean, memory is one of those things that we take for granted like I think our two feet. We walk all day and we don't thank God that we can walk. We don't thank God that one foot goes ahead of the other foot and we don't think about it. It's the same thing with memory. I went to work yesterday and I thought, thank God that I wake up and I remember that I have this house and it's my house. It's easy to take that for granted. What if I woke up and I had to remember every day that this was my home? These are my, this is my wife, and I looked at her strange like, who are you? We take that for granted, don't we? That I remember her in the morning. That's my wife. I remember my kids. Those are my kids. We take it for granted, don't we? That's a... That's an automatic, isn't it? We remember. We remember how to get to work. We remember our jobs. We remember how to get home. Just think if we didn't remember how to drive. And we got in the car every morning and we didn't know how to drive. We had to re-educate ourselves. And if you have a key ring like me and Dean, which key would you use to get into the house? You would use every single key and try them because you couldn't remember which one. And mine's bigger than that. But that's memory. So I want to invite you to think about memory because they had a faulty memory. When they say, I remember the fish I ate in Egypt and all the vegetables that were great, 
and I want to go home, and there was no cost, there's something happening with their memory. Something's missing. They're not focusing on the right thing, are they? Shouldn't they, if they go back and think, I was saved, I was imprisoned, I was a slave, I was beat. If they wanted me to work, they made me work. If they wanted me to sleep, they made me sleep. Otherwise, you just worked all day long and you didn't give anything except probably food, clothes on your back maybe. And if they wanted to kill you, what did they do? They killed them. But how come they didn't remember that? That struck me. I thought, what's going on with these Israelites? How come they don't remember? Well, memory affected what? It affected their attitude. Because if you don't have the right memory of what you were, what you were doing, where you were, how you were enslaved by sin, if you know the Lord today, how could you have the right attitude? You know what kind of attitude you'll have if you've been saved and you don't remember that I was blind, now I see. I I was blind. I lived in sin. I did the things that everybody else does in the world. I enjoyed sin. But I had no hope. The Israelites had no hope. And Moses came along because they groaned and cried out to the Lord. The Lord says, I'm merciful. And I'm coming to save my people. And he saves them. And he takes them through. Parts the Red Sea. And they don't remember that. Did you hear them one time saying, you parted the Red Sea, but, you know, that's not really that big of a deal. They didn't even mention that. They didn't mention that God guided them by what in the daytime? In the daytime, there's a cloud. And at night, fire. Did they say that? Well, you guided us by fire and then, you know, and you guided us by cloud and you took us. No. And what was the destiny, which is the last thing? I'm going to touch it and we're going to talk about it a little bit and then we're going to go home together. What is the destiny? I struggled with a title for this message because I thought, what kind of title would be befitting of, 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 of a storyline like this? And there's just so many titles. And I thought the promised land would be an obvious one, wouldn't it? Because that's what God promised to do, is to take them where? To the promised land. But I said, no. The promised life. Because depending on your memory, depending on your attitude, it's going to dictate where your destiny is, and that's going to be your life. The life that you live now. Everybody in here has a story is living a life right now. You're living a life. You either know God, you either know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you don't. But you have a life right now. And that life is going in a certain direction. And what is it dependent on? It's really dependent on your attitude. What are you thinking about? What are you meditating on? What's important to you right now? So I'm asking you right now, what's important to you right now? What's important? Do you remember what you were? And how much do you remember that? 
Is it really that important? God says in his word, if you go from Psalm 78, go down to verse 11, it says they forgot what they had done. What They forgot what he had done. It starts right there. They forgot what he had done. And then list it. The wonders he had shown them. He divided the sea. He led them. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand firm like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day. He split the rocks in the desert. He brought streams out of the rock. But they continued to sin. They willfully put God to the test. They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the desert? That's what they said. You know, they said, can you, God, the one that took us through, saved us from Pharaoh, took us, did all the miracles, took us through the sea, parted the Red Sea. Can he spread a table in the desert? And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And where did the Lord convict me in the story? He said, Ron, to me, where are you grumbling about the Lord? How are you grumbling? Because that's basically what their attitude was. Their attitude was an attitude of grumbling. And I put them down. I'm going to tell you straight. I was very vexed and upset with the Israelites. I'm thinking, how could they do that? And then I looked at my own character and I thought, wow. There are areas that I'm not giving over to the Lord either. There are areas that I'm saying, God, because you know what grumbling is? God says, I want you to have this house. I want you to live in this place. I want you to do this as a career. I want you to go to this church. I want you to have this association, and you say, well, but I want this. Do you know that's grumbling? It's subtle, isn't it? But it's grumbling. You know what you're saying? Exactly what they said. God, you're not good enough for me. What you have planned for me is not good enough. Is everybody listening to me? It's, it can be real subtle, too. It can be so subtle where we look at our life and we say, it's not good enough for me. We look at our partner and we say, they're not good enough for me. I, I, why do they keep doing this? Why are my kids like this? Why is this church like this? Why are the leaders like this? Why do they promote? Why do I have to give up what I want? Think about that. Because that's what they said. We want the fish. If we saw the fish, we'd say, why do they want the fish? It's nasty, stinky fish. But they want the fish. You know why? Because the fish look good to them. Because sin does. Egypt is a perfect example of going back to the world and saying, I really, really miss you. Because you offer something that's really good to me. It looks good, doesn't it? But when you get in there, you start looking around and you're wondering, man, I thought I had some fish here. It sure is stinky in here. What's going on? Where does this stink come from? That's because sin stinks. But it looks appealing. So when we want to go back to the world and kind of 
hang out in the world. We're basically grumbling and saying, God, your life is not the life I want. That's a hard one, isn't it? I had to deal with that. And I thought, okay, God, you got my attention now. Now I'm going to sit up and I'm going to read. I'm going to see where you can encourage me because now I get it now. You're telling me, Ron, I want to be your enough. I don't want you to want anything other than me. And I'm telling you something. It hit me like a brick. And it was very clear to me. I don't want you to want anything that I'm not in. Because if I'm not in it, you're back in Egypt. And you're hanging out with the Egyptians again. And it's funky. Trust me. It is. It's funky there. But you can hang out there so easily because the temptation is there. I don't blame them anymore. I love the Israelites now because they taught me something about me. God said to me, Ron, you be careful. You be careful, son. Because they're grumbling. Oh, it's real simple, son. Don't grumble. Whatever I give you, accept. Don't want any more. Oh, that was a hard one because I want so many things. I don't want to tell you about the cars I want. <laughs> Seriously. The cars I want, I'm looking at these Mercedes and thinking, man, I like those. You know, today I don't care. And I'm happy. Amen. And that was, and I can say that for real that that is true. That I don't care today. I don't care about my job today. And, and somebody's here that might not like that. <laughs> No, there's another one, too. <laughs> but we won't mention any names, Jim. <laughs> but when I say I don't care about my job, I take it as God gave me this job, and I don't want anything more than it. It's enough. And if he says, Ron, I want you to be here, amen, Lord. Take me there. If he says, no, I want you to stay there for the rest of my life, Jim, you have me 100% for the rest of my life working at Toyota Walnut Creek as a sales manager. For the rest of my life. And I'm okay. And I'm happy. Because I was taught a lesson. That I don't want to grumble. I don't want to look at the life that God has given me and say, it's not enough. When Jesus said, well, Ron, this is the life I'm giving you. What are you going to do with it? And I ask you today, where are you today? What are you going to do with it? The promised life for each one of us in here is the life of walking in obedience, dependent on Christ, totally willing to accept everything, anything he provides and not want anything more. Oh, my goodness. If you're thinking the way I'm thinking, you've got to be feeling something in the heart or I didn't, I didn't give you the message properly. You didn't hear what I said. I said, right now, where you are, Jesus is enough. I don't need any more. No matter what you might want, if it doesn't conform to him, if it's not in his will, you have to say, I don't want it. Isn't that absolutely unbelievable? Because it's totally against the world. Because you know what the world says? You have to have this in order to be happy. It does, doesn't it? You have to have this in order to be happy. God says just be, have gratitude that you were saved. Just be thankful that I saved your life and that you will be with me in paradise 
forever. And I'm leaving you here today so that we can walk together and I can build you up so you can go do the good works that I have for you. And that's all. And that's enough. Is that enough? Isn't that crazy? That doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be enough. I want the thing. I want the big house. I want the big family. I want this. I want that. I want this. And the Lord says, no, you can't have it, though. I don't want you to have it. And we got to say, okay, Lord. Amen. I don't want it. But you know what we do? We go back to Egypt and we want the fish. We do. I do. It's smelly, too. It is smelly. It doesn't seem smelly when we're looking back at it. When we're here, we can't smell it. Sin doesn't smell because it has appeal. Satan is really good. He packages sin so beautifully, doesn't he? He makes it look really good. Just think, these people were with God. They're walking with God. There's a pillar, light, and there's a cloud guiding them, and God's with them, and he's providing manna from heaven. We didn't even talk about the manna. That's God's food. They said, I don't want God's food. I want the world's food. I want Egypt's food. What do you mean you want Egypt's food? God said, I got my food for you. Don't you want to eat my food? This is the food that will edify you, build you up, encourage you, direct you, give you a life that really takes you. It's food that will take you to the promised land. You don't want it? So you'll go around in circles for 40 years when it only took a few days. Do we know that? It only took a few days to get from the from Egypt to the promised land. It took 40 years. Why? Because you know why? Because they said, I don't want your food. I don't want to do it your way. I don't want to go on your path. I want to do it my way. I want to take my road, Lord. It says, do not enter. I'm going down that road. The Lord puts a sign up. Do not enter. But I want to enter, Lord. He says, okay, go ahead and enter then. He didn't give them meat. They asked for meat. You don't want to read in, 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 uh, in the chapter where it talks about how much meat he gave them. He gave them so much meat they start dying because it was contaminated. He said, you want meat? Here to eat the meat. I got these things just falling from the air, these birds. And they're eating away and eating away. All of a sudden they start dying because it wasn't his food. It wasn't his food. It's what you wanted. He said, you want meat? Take the meat. But then die. Because this is not my meat. My meat is manna. And then my manna is from heaven. It's, it's God's food. Food of the angels, it says in the Psalms. And some people I read where a writer was talking about the food being the Bible. When you talk about manna, it's the Bible. It's the word of God. Manna. The word of God coming down from heaven, feeding us. And we say, no, I don't want to go to a Bible study. I don't want to study my Bible. I don't want to hear a word. I don't want to read. I can't. I don't want that. You read the Bible and you say, no, not for me. What you're saying is like God's food, what God has for me, I don't want it. Isn't that amazing? And we wonder why our destiny is what it is. When I say destiny, I mean our life. Where is your life today? Where are you today, right now? How you doing? Are you walking with Jesus? Is he your all? Is he enough? Do you not have any care in the world except serving the Lord? 
If you don't, something's wrong. And that's okay. You know what? That's okay. Because our God is a merciful God. If you go to the Leviticus, I think it is, or Nehemiah. Oh, my goodness, is it the most wonderful book in the world for me? Because Nehemiah chapter 9 and Nehemiah, and you don't necessarily have to go there, but I'm just going to read just a couple things, and we're just going to have to end, but you're just going to have to listen up, because maybe the Lord has a really good blessing for you right now. It says that down in chapter 9, verse 9, it says, You saw the suffering of our forefathers in Egypt. You heard their cry. And I just highlighted a couple things. You heard, you sent, you knew, you made, you divided, you led, you came down, you gave them, you made them, you gave them, you brought, you told. But guess what? But our forefathers became arrogant, stiff-necked, and did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and listen to this. They refused to listen and fail to remember the miracles you performed among them. And it keeps saying, remembered. Do you remember? Because if you don't remember, it starts right there. If you don't remember about where the Lord took you from, what he saved you from, what he brought you out of, the pit. How can you be thankful? How can you have any gratitude? And how can you serve the Lord? How can you walk with him? How can you look at him in the eye and say, I love you. And Sylvia, get mad at me if you want, but I'm going to read it anyway, because this is from our songs for the choir. And I want to sing it, but I don't want to embarrass myself. I do. I really, really do. Just a certain verse. And I just don't want to because you laugh. But one of the verses, one of the um, um, the statements in this one song says, all that I was is no longer me. For my Redeemer, my Lord, set me free. He rescued me. I'll read it again. All that I was is no longer me. All that I was, what I was, is no longer me. For my Redeemer, my Lord, set me free. He rescued me. Have you been rescued today? I've been rescued. I've been redeemed. If you haven't been redeemed and rescued today, guess what? It's okay. Because his invitation doesn't go away. He doesn't stop redeeming. He doesn't stop rescuing. He went to Egypt to rescue his family. And he's here on earth today through his word, rescuing people every day. And redeeming people every day. And all you have to do is just come to him and say, Lord... I believe. Forgive me for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. Take me. Rescue me. Isn't that unbelievable? That's all you have to do. And then he can rescue you. Another song says, I will praise you for all that you have done for me. I will praise you for redeeming and setting me free for loving me. And that's the one I'd love to sing, but like I said, I can't. Because I'll cry. Because I mean it. I will praise you for all that you have done for me. We should be praising him this morning for all that he's done for us. And how do you praise him? I'm telling you, the only way you can praise him is to remember. 
How much gratitude is in this room right now for what Jesus did for us? If you know him and he redeemed you, you should be praising him. And how do you praise him? By walking with him. By saying, take me, whatever you want, whatever you have for me, whatever I can do, I don't have anything anymore. I'm sold out for you. I don't want anything, Lord. I just want you. You're my enough. That's what he wants for us. And that's the message that I hope is something that would encourage everyone in this room. There were so many other things that I had, but we don't have the time. And I hope the message is really clear. It's it's perfectly clear that Jesus needs to be our enough. And we grumble so much. We want to go back to that world so much. I want to tell you that it's funky there. It smells there. And God is not there. He doesn't live there. If you want the promised life, if you notice those three things I mentioned, memory and attitude and destination or um, your destiny, they spell the word mad. And I think as believers, we have to get mad. You listening to me? One of the verses Jesus said is in Luke 9, 24, he said, anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You know why I say I think you need to get mad? Because I don't think you can fight against the temptation of this world without getting mad. And you know what I mean by getting mad? I mean getting to the point where we say, I don't care what it takes. I'm not going to deny my Savior. I'm not going to give myself the option of falling away from him. It's not an option not to walk with him. I I think we have to get mad and say, I'm whatever sin that I have in my life right now that I am not confessing to Jesus, not giving over to him. Whatever thing is blocking my relationship with him, I need to get mad today and say, take it from me, God. It's enough. I think you got to get mad. And shouldn't you? For all that I've done for you, I rescued you. I saved you. Get mad today. Get mad at that sin and say, no more. I'm not going to give myself the option of accepting it. We have the option always. I can do this and God will forgive me. I'm saying I'm inviting you to think about it. Don't give yourself the option. Say, it doesn't matter what I want anymore. I'm mad. God, whatever you want, whatever you need, take it. Take all my sin away. Take everything that you don't want me doing. Take it away. Make me free. Make me walk with you. And I'm mad. And be persistent with me. Pray that the Lord will be persistent, that he'll keep coming at you. Keep coming to Bible studies. Keep hearing the word. Keep opening up the Bible and saying, God, talk to me through this word. Get me clean because I want to serve you. I don't want me anymore. I only want you. Get mad. And the only way you can get mad is to do something. Get this Bible and say, I'm going to do something. I'm going to read it. I'm going to go to counsel, get counsel when I need it. I'm going to go to church religiously, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever I need to do. I'm going to walk with my Savior because he redeemed me. He set me free. And if you don't know him today, you have the invitation. It's a real simple invitation. He wants to redeem you and set you free. And all you have to do is just say, God, I'm willing. 
So let me, may we bow our heads, please. Dear Lord, we're so thankful that this opportunity is here just to talk with you, to share your scripture, your word. And there probably is a person here. There always is one person at least, Lord, that walks through those doors that don't know you. They might even think they know you. They might even have maybe made a confession at one time years ago or some time ago and said, well, I'm giving my life to you, but it hasn't really materialized. And they have really nothing to remember. They don't have a life that they can remember that they walk with you. They don't have the appreciation that they should have because once our Redeemer comes into our life, we should have an appreciation that just lifts us up into the clouds, Lord, that blesses us so much. We pray for them this morning, Lord, that they would make a decision today. And you have the opportunity today. Isn't it a wonderful opportunity that Jesus, that our Lord, loves you so much that he gives you the opportunity to just say, come. And invites you because he wants to set you free. If anybody wants to do that today, be courageous. There's no hope in this world. You want to find hope? Go to the newspaper and see if there's hope there. You want to find satisfaction? Watch a baseball game or a football game and notice how the satisfaction is fleeting. It comes and it goes because it's based on just an experience. You have a good day, you feel good. You have a bad day, you feel bad. I invite you today that you invite Jesus, that you would let him come into your heart. And you'll find that bad days are good days. Good days are better days. And that the days that you have on earth will be a blessing. And that you get to live with him eternally, forever. And that's an invitation. But that's an invitation that the Lord has given because he loves you. And you have to say yes. He's not going to make you. He's not going to force you. Something that you have to do on your own. So I invite you today. If you want to make that decision today, why don't you put up your hand? It's an opportunity. Put up your hand and I can pray for you. Everybody's eyes are closed. I can pray for you and say a little word and then you can go on your day and then the Lord will be with you and you will be blessed and you will be changed and you've been rescued. But it's your choice. Anyone today want to make that choice? Just throw that hand up and put it down. It's your opportunity. Those of you who know him, let's get mad today. Let's really get mad at sin in our lives. Let's get mad at the life that we live if it doesn't conform to the life that we should live with Jesus. Let's walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. It's a blessing, Lord, to have this opportunity to share your word, and we pray that it goes out and it has fruit, Lord. That it does what you intended to do, Lord. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.